0: Thank you for joining us on this episode. Tonight, we're going to deal with such a sensitive subject on one of the devices Satan is actually using to take control and take hold of your life. We're taking this directly, again, from the book, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. Now, this device, I'm going to be serious with you. Many of you are not going to think this affects you at all. But I'm telling you, if you have that mindset, Satan is actually using this device against you right now at this moment. Tonight, we're going to discuss such a sensitive subject. I hope you'll listen in, tune in, and focus on what God would have to say through this episode. You're listening to the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast. All right, to get down to the quote of the podcast, tonight's is going to be a little bit different. I'm actually going to give you a story instead of a quote. Here it is. It's titled, The Lesson of the eagle and the crow the only bird that dares to peck an eagle is the crow the crow sits on the eagle's back and bites his neck the eagle does not respond nor fight with the crow it does not spend time or energy on the crow instead the eagle just opens its wings and begins to rise higher in the heavens The higher the flight, the harder it is for the crow to breathe, and eventually the crow falls off due to a lack of oxygen. Learn from the eagle, and don't fight the crows. Just keep ascending. They might be along for the ride, but they'll soon fall off. Don't allow yourself to succumb to the distractions. Keep your focus on the things above, and continue rising, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, Of our faith, that is the lesson of the eagle and the crow.
1: One about who puts the presents under the tree. Now, her little brother is still a believer, so... I mean, he's pretty confident that reindeer can't fly, but he just figures that Santa has another way of getting around to all those houses. I mean, there's a Google tracker that shows where Santa is every hour of the night. So I think we're good. But his big sister was nine, and this year the jig was up. Yeah, the, the wrapping paper was a little too similar to the gifts that came from family members. There was some handwriting on one of the boxes. that was a little too familiar. There may have been a price tag on something. So, you know, she figured it out, and she called us out. And it was really tough for her. She loved believing in magic, living in a world where presents came from totally unexplainable places. It's awesome. Finding out that the things that you wanted arrived because your parents paid for them with money? What a letdown. And it made me wonder, why are we working so hard to cultivate an illusion?
0: Well, that's pretty odd. What does Santa Claus have to do with device number three that we're going to discuss tonight? Well... Device number three is this, given by our author Thomas Brooks. Satan will draw your soul to sin by extenuating and lessening sin. He will extenuate, E-X-T-E-N-U-A-T-I-N-G, extenuating. That word means he will serve to lessen the seriousness of an offense. In other words, One of his devices today is to take sin and say it's only a little sin. It's just a small white lie when it comes to what Santa Claus is. Now, that was a humorous gesture of Santa Claus, and we tell our children that every Christmas time. But in all honesty, though it may be a white lie, it is still nonetheless a lie to our children and our world. It is nonetheless a lie. And Satan wants to have this idea in your mind, that it's just a little sin. He says this, it's just a little pride, only a small amount of worldliness. Don't worry. It's just a little uncleanness. Oh, it's not going to bother anything. It's only a little drunkenness. Satan says, it's just a very little sin that you're stuck on. That's all it is. It's just a little sin. Don't worry about it. It's just a small one compared to everyone else. He says you can commit it without any danger to your soul. Don't worry, you commit it. It's not a big deal. God does not care. He says it's only a little one. You can commit it and your soul will live. Nothing to worry about. Well, that's a lie that Satan's been dragging out of the pit of hell for years. And Christians are believing that their sins are just little sins. Get this, that the smallest sin... If we were going to put it into the words that the author's using and Satan uses, if we could put the smallest sin into perspective, that smallest sin would have been enough that Christ would have still died on the cross for that sin. It's still worth the blood of Christ. He gives you a way in this book on how to ignore this device or how to wake up. In other words, Christian, you're not awake to what's going on. You're not alert that Satan is actually making sin seem less to you. You say, well, well, how does he do that? Well, it doesn't bother you anymore when you see homosexuals kissing and having relations on TV. It doesn't bother you when the movie actor for Marvel movies drops the GD. It doesn't bother you when you see people socially drinking that are also your deacons and trustees in your church. It doesn't bother you when people aren't faithful to the house of God. And it doesn't bother you when they skip out on church. And it doesn't bother you anymore when people are sinning in their lives. It doesn't bother you anymore because Satan has taught you that it's just a little sin, it's just small. Nothing to worry about. Understand this, Christian sin is a cancer, it is a plague. Once you allow one bit into your body and soul, it will spread until it's consumed every single bit of you. Understand this, that those sins which we are apt to think are small, they have brought upon men the greatest wrath of God. Understand, as Adam and Eve ate the apple, and as others gathered a few sticks on the Sabbath day, And some people even touched the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, but the dreadful wrath that these sins brought down upon the heads and hearts of men. The least sin is contrary to the law of God. The least sin is contrary to the nature of God. The least sin is contrary to the being of God and is contrary to the glory of God. And therefore, it is often punished severely by God. Do you not see every single day the vengeance of God that falls upon the bodies, names, states, families, and souls of men for those sins that we think are just little? You have been blinded by Satan, Christian. Do you not see it? Satan says it is but a little one. You must say, oh, tell Satan this. Those sins which you call little are such as will cause God to rain hell out of heaven upon sinners as He did upon the Sodomites. It is not a little sin, Satan. We take sin seriously around here. That's what God wants for you. Take sin seriously. Take it seriously. Christ died for it. Take it serious. He also says this, consider this, that the giving way to a less sin makes way for the committing of a greater sin. In other words, little sins, if you put it in those words, always lead to greater sins. For he who will avoid a greater sin will yield to a lesser, 10,000 to one, but God and justice will leave that soul to fall into a greater, greater condemnation. If we commit one sin to avoid another, It is just that we should avoid neither. We having not law nor power in our hands to keep off sin as we please. And we, by yielding to the lesser, do tempt the tempter to tempt us to the greater of sins. Sin is of an encroaching nature. It creeps on the soul by degrees, step by step, until it has the soul to the very height of sin. Haven't you seen this, Christian? I've always seen in my church, they leave Wednesday night. They start missing here and there. They leave Sunday night. They miss, you know, they're coming on Sunday mornings, but then, boom, they're gone forever. Sin is of the encroaching nature. It creeps on the soul by degrees or step by step until it has the soul to the very height of sin. David gives way to his wandering eye, and this led him to those foul sins that caused God to break his bones, and to turn his day into night, and to leave his soul in great darkness. Jacob and Peter and other saints have found this true by woeful experience, that the yielding to a lesser sin has been the ushering in of a greater sin. The little thief will open the door and make a way for the greater. And the little wedge knocked in will make way for the greater. Hear this. Satan will first draw you to sit with the drunkard, and then to sip with the drunkard, and then at last to be drunk with the drunkard. He will first draw you to be unclean in your thoughts, and then to be unclean in your looks, and then to be unclean in your words, and at last to be unclean in your practices. He will first draw you to look upon the golden wedge and then to desire the golden wedge and then to handle the golden wedge and then at last by wicked ways to take the golden wedge though you run the hazard of losing God and your soul forever. As you see with Gehazi, Achan, and Judas and in many of these our days understand that sin is never at a standstill. First ungodly, Then sinners, then scorners in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Here they go on from sin to sin until they come to the top of sin, that is, to sit on the seat of scorners. The yielding to lesser sins always draws the soul to the committing of greater sins. Christian, how many times in these days have people fallen? Here's what people do in modern days. They have low thoughts of Scripture and ordinances, and then they slight Scripture and ordinances, and then they make a nose of wax of Scripture and ordinances, and then to cast off Scripture and ordinances, and then at last to advance and lift up themselves and their Christ's dishonoring and soul damning opinions above scripture and ordinances. I've seen this time after time after time. You see, it always progresses. You are either going upward or you're going downward. There is no standstill. Sin gains upon man's soul by insensible degrees. Corruption in the heart, when it breaks forth, is like a breach in the sea, which begins in a narrow passage until it eats through and casts down all before it. The debates of the soul are quick and soon ended, and that may be done in a moment that may be undo a man forever. Let me say that again. What may be done in a moment may be the very thing that will undo a man forever. When a man has begun to sin, he knows not where or when or how he shall make a stop at sin. Usually, the soul goes on from evil and evil, from folly to folly, until it is ripe for eternal misery. Wow. The third remedy or cure against this device that Satan uses to make us feel like there are little sins or there are extenuating sins. He tries to lessen the seriousness of sin. Satan has to draw the soul to sin. You got to understand, here's what he does to draw the soul to sin. Satan will use this. It is sad to sin against God for a trifle. It is the greatest folly in the world to adventure the going to hell for a small matter. First Samuel 14:29 says, "I tasted but a little honey," is what Jonathan said, "and I must die." It is a most unkind and unfaithful thing. To break with God for a little. You really want to, you want to have a little sin in your life, Christian? Okay, have it. You're going to break fellowship with God. Little sins carry with them, but little temptations of sin. And then a man shows the most viciousness and unkindness when he sins on a little temptation. It is devilish to sin without a temptation. It is little less than devilish to sin on a little occasion. The less the temptation is to sin, the greater is that sin. Saul's sin in not waiting for Samuel was not so much in the matter, but it was much in the malice of it. For though Samuel had not come at all, yet Saul should not have offered sacrifice. But this cost him his dear, his dear soul and his kingdom that he held so precious. The fourth remedy against this device is seriously to consider that there is a great danger, yes, many times the most danger in the smallest sins. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. If the serpent sneaks in his head, he will draw in his whole body after him. Greater sins do sooner startle the soul and awaken and rouse up the soul to repentance than lesser sins do. Uh Uh-oh. Little sins often slide into the soul and breed and work secretly and indiscernibly in the soul until they come to be so strong as to trample upon the soul and to cut the throat of the soul. There is oftentimes greater danger to our bodies in the least diseases that hang upon us because we are apt to make light of them. Let me say that again if that didn't strike your heart. There is oftentimes greater danger to our bodies in the smallest diseases because we are apt to make light of them and to neglect the timely use of means for removing them until they are grown so strong that they prove mortal to us. And that is exactly how the smallest sin does in our lives. Remedy number five. The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is to consider that other saints have chosen to suffer the worst of torments rather than commit the least sin, that is, such as the world accounts little sins. So as you see in Daniel and his companions that would rather choose to burn than be cast to the lions that they would rather not bow down to the idol which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They'd rather burn than bow. When this slight offense in the world's account and a hot fiery furnace stood in competition, that they must either fall into sin or be cast into the fiery furnace, such was their tenderness of the honor and glory of God and their hatred and indignation against sin that they would rather burn than sin. They knew that it was far better to burn for their not sinning than that God and conscience should raise a hell, a fire in the bosoms for sin. I have read of a noble servant of God. His name was Marcus. He was a minister of a church in the time of Constantine who had been the cause of overthrowing an idol's temple. Afterwards, when Julian came to be emperor, he would force the people of that place to build it up again, the temple. They were ready to do it, but Marcus refused. Whereupon those who were his own people, to whom he preached, took him and stripped him of all his clothes and abused his naked body and gave it up to the children to lance it with their pen knives and then caused him to be put in a basket and drenched his naked body with honey and set him in the sun to be stung with wasps. And all this cruelty they showed because he would not do anything towards the building up of this idol temple. No, they came to this, that if he would do, but at least the least towards it, if he would give but a half penny to it, they would save him. But he refused. He wouldn't even give half a penny. Though the giving of a half penny might have saved his life, in doing this, he did but live up to the principle that most Christians talk of, and all profess, but few ever do it, that we must choose rather to suffer the worst torments that men and the devils can invent and inflict than to commit the least sin whereby God should be dishonored, our consciousness should be wounded, and religion reproached, and our souls in dangers. We must never commit to agreeing to sin at any moment, in any case, in any instance. We will stand against it, even if it means our lives, because Christ gave His for us. The sixth soul against this sixth remedy, excuse me, against this advice of Satan, is seriously to consider that the soul is never able to stand under the guilt and weight of the least sin when God shall set it home upon the soul. The smallest sin will press and sink the stoutest sinner as low as hell. When God shall open the eyes of a sinner and make him see the horrid filthiness and abominable vileness that is in sin. What so little base, and vile creatures, as lice or gnats, and yet by these little poor creatures God so plagued stout-hearted Pharaoh and all Egypt, that fainting under it they were forced to cry out, This is the finger of God. When little creatures, yes, the least creatures, shall be armed with the power from God, they shall press and sink down into the greatest, proudest, and stoutest tyrants who breathe. So when God shall cast a sword into the hand of a little sin and arm it against the soul, the soul will faint and fall under it. Some people who have actually contemplated adultery without any action, you know, actually acting on it, and others having found a trifle and made no conscience to restore it, knowing by the light of a natural conscience that they did not do as they would be done by These sins are nothing to play with. William Perkins mentions a good man. He was very poor, who, being ready to starve, stole a lamb, and being about to eat it with his poor children, and as his manner was before eating, to ask God's blessing, he dared not to ask blessing for it, but fell into great perplexity of conscience, and acknowledged his fault to the owner, promising payment if he should ever be able these little sins, even though the world may count them as small, oh, how dangerous they are. The seventh and last remedy against the device of Satan is that there is more evil in the least sin than in the greatest affliction. This appears as clear as the sun by the severe dealing of God the Father with His beloved Son, who let all the vials of the fiercest wrath upon Him, and that for the least sin, as well for the greatest. Jesus Christ died for the smallest sin, just like He did for the greatest. Oh my goodness. The wages of sin is death. All sin, whether great or small. How should this make us tremble? As much at the least spark of lust as at hell itself. Considering this, that God the Father would not spare His bosom Son... No, not for the least sin, but would make him drink the dregs of his wrath. And so much for the remedies that that may fence and preserve our souls from being drawn to sin by this third device of Satan. Christian, I've seen this throughout my ministry and everything that God's allowed me to do. People do not take sin seriously anymore. That's why our society is... Growing deeper and deeper, deeper into this plague of sin. And Christian, you are too. All of these devices that we've discussed, we're on number three now. If I can just share with you my heart, we've got to get back to knowing that sin, no matter how small, is truly, truly wicked. And it holds no place in the child of God or in the congregation of saints. May we never believe the lie of Satan that it's just a little sin. That cigarette is not a little sin. That binge eating is not a little sin. That adultery is not a little sin. That one bottle of alcohol is not a little sin. None of it is small because Christ died for them all. You're listening. the bearing precious seed podcast all right it's your favorite part of the entire episode it's time for the dad joke of the episode here it is where is the first tennis match mentioned in the bible all right where is the first tennis match mentioned in the bible It's when Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. (laughs) When Joseph served, get it? Like the first tennis match? While he served in Pharaoh's court. There's so much exciting news to share here this episode. Let's take a look at it. The world's first Christian airline is planning to open in 2021, and their aim and their goal is to transport missionaries worldwide. A nonprofit ministry is looking to launch the first ever Christian airline next year. They will provide a source of travel for missionaries seeking to spread the word of Jesus Christ across the globe. And praise God for that. That's incredible. In other news, a Christian group has sent 27,000 Bibles to Albania. Wow, that's just good news back-to-back. Back. Donald Trump has won 81% of the evangelical vote comparatively to Joe Biden's 14%. Wow, it's, it's like not even close. Donald Trump won 81% of Christians' votes comparative to Joe Biden's 14%. Crazy. A Christian astronaut takes the Bible communion cups on a mission to the space station and i believe they just landed this evening on all of this remember we need to pray for the christian genocides that are going on in africa and pray for our lost and persecuted brethren all around the world you're listening to the bps podcast We are so thrilled you could join us on this episode of the BPS podcast. And as a quick reminder, continue to work for the night is coming.